Welcome to Holding Center, a podcast created to help you own and hold center stage, not only on show day, but also in your life. I'm your host, Ashley Markham, owner of Myo Strength, and joined with me is my co-host, Ashley Spoker, owner of B&B Fit. Let's hold center. Yo, what's going on, Spilks? How are you? I am good. I'm good. Had a great morning. Um, had a doctor's appointment and then me and my boyfriend who it's actually, um, we went out for breakfast, which is great. Treated him because it is actually police week, right? So it's like cool that I got to like shower him with some type of love and be like, hey, dude, it's great that you're a cop, even though it's annoying sometimes. Like he was judging my fucking driving today. I was like, dude, fuck off. Like, don't be a cop. Like, who cares? <laughs> But yeah, that was pretty much it. Got my eyelashes done, so feeling like a bad bitch because I was looking like a little bit of a crack whore there. Couldn't spend three weeks, but <laughs> dude, when you don't get your eyelashes done for a while and they start to fall off, dude, you look like a like you're on crack. Like I'm not even kidding. It's disgusting. And Phil, I only know can that you relate. Can you relate to that, Phil? When you don't get your eyelashes done, do you feel like a crack whore? <laughs> I am lucky if I shave on time every couple of days and. And, and whatnot like I turned off the color of my beard like that ah, I'm I'm very very roughneck basic simple my fiance is completely different I, I see it on the credit card statement <laughs> but, uh, but like she well she has a card in her name that I that's one of my cards and like I see like the hair the nails like this or that but you know what like it, it improves her life. It makes her feel good. It makes her feel better. It allows her to function better in, in, in life more confidently and, and just overall enjoy life better. So, you know, it's an investment. It's, it's, it's important, you know? Yeah. Amen. That's how I feel. Good answer. Good answer. Chivalry is not dead, gentlemen. Take note. Take note. No, but I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I'm hanging in there. Life is life. And lately we had a few deaths in the family within you know, two, three weeks. So that's just kind of heavy on my heart, but you know what? We're still fucking showing up. Like, you know, you don't have to like post everything on social media. So I'm kind of going quiet and just doing maintenance mode and doing what I need to do. But this is where you just kind of keep your head down and just go to fucking work. Like it doesn't need to be complicated. Like bodybuilding is in the nature of bodybuilding. You eat, you sleep, you shit, you train, and then you just do what needs to be done. You don't need to be posting everything on social media about it. And I haven't been like, like I said, it's just kind of maintenance with IG right now. And you know what? I'm kind of liking it. I'm kind of liking that. Um, but I don't want to waste That's time true. gabbing about me. I want to talk. I want to introduce our guest. And funny story, I didn't actually know Phil Viz's last name. I thought it was literally Viz. So when I first reached out to Phil Viz, I was like, hi, Mr. Viz. And I, Jeffrey Sue was like, you know that's not his last name, right? I was like, well, clearly the fuck not, Jeffrey. I didn't know that. So I want to introduce <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Phil Viz to the podcast. Thank you for coming on, sir. Yeah, my uh, most people can't pronounce my last name, uh, Vizicaro, or they butcher it. So one of my wrestling coaches back when I was very young just started calling me Viz. And the reason we actually started calling me Viz is because of a baseball player on the Mets called Vizcaena. Ooh, okay. So it like it like stemmed from a sports athlete, but then he called me Viz, and everybody called me Viz, and then I come to find from like my dad's side of the family that people have always called us Viz. <laughs> so you know, it's kind of like a normal thing. I just made it a Z instead of an S. I think Z looks cool, but yeah. it's just everybody calls me Viz. Nobody calls me by my name. You know, they don't even call me Phil. They just call me Viz. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of used to it. I mean, I wear it on my hat, <laughs> you know, it, it, some people find that kind of funny, maybe think it's arrogant, but I look at it like, you know, 
I, I always wanted to be a sports athlete growing up and I never got to be a pro athlete. So it's kind of like, you know, you wear, your, you have your name on your Jersey. Like I have my name on my hat, <laughs> easy to identify yeah. me. And if I am ever in a setting where I want to hide, I just wear a hat without my name on it. Cause people are always expecting to see this. That's right. I don't think that's arrogant. I think you're allowed to be proud of who you are. And if someone takes issue with that, that's their issue, not yours. Like, I mean, I used to wear shit with my life class name on it, like Jersey or no Jersey. It's just like, you know, if you're proud of who you are, like, why not put it on something that you like to wear every day? Like, I see no issue with that. Yeah. Like I love my last name. Like I'll be sad when I get married and I got to give it up. I'm like, shit. Cause my last name is like, you have to give it up. True. True. But I don't know. Maybe like a little old fashioned, but I got some time to figure it out. Old fashioned too, but you could hyphenate it. True. There you go. Not a bad idea. You know, so you don't <laughs> technically, you don't really have, like, if I, if I was in a situation where I had three girls, you know, and no boy to pass on my last name, mm-hmm. you better believe I'm going to convince them to make sure their name is hyphenated when they get married, you know, yeah. just because. But like, mm-hmm. as far as the, the whole confidence thing, the, the, the hat thing, I, I like to study psychology and the unfortunate thing about human beings is people that are not confident will actually feel pain, mental pain from experiencing things that they wish they had or they couldn't do or things. So like confident people make, un, make insecure people very feel very bad they don't like to see it because they wish they were that way and they could be that way you know so confidence isn't always received very well in our society they say you know be confident don't be cocky you know the difference is you know being being cocky is thinking you're the shit and telling everybody so being confident is knowing you're the shit but keeping your mouth shut so i mean people just generally don't like confidence when they are not confident themselves. So it's kind of tough to, you know, I'm not good at acting and putting on a show and whatnot. And I'm pretty confident, but so I, I speak very, you know, firmly whenever I'm teaching a lesson or giving an opinion. And some people don't like that. They take that wrong. And I, I don't mean to, but I can't be anything other than me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I took your, I had the pleasure of taking your contest prep class and I found that to be you know, very, very beneficial. And because of that contest prep class, you know, we got a a question from one of our listeners being like, Hey, can you talk about, you know, advanced PED cycles or like, you know, moderate to advanced PED cycles. And I was like, well, who better to have on than the man who has, you know, coached and put on like IFBB pros, like these high caliber athletes than, than you. And so I'd love to kind of go into topic of discussion and kind of pick your brain as to like, you know, what do you think are, you know, moderate PED dosages and compounds for different divisions? And then what do you consider advanced? Because, you know, we we're we're living in this age of the safer PED cycle usage. And we still have some people using like barely effective dosages, but screwing people over um, by, you know, interfering with hormones and not even getting, you know, the positive benefits from using these exogenous PEDs. And then we have some, you know, shitbirds and chuckle fucks that are like like you said before we start recording this ruining women's lives with the sake of virilization so we kind of want to just to to let you just say your piece because we we have peace we're sharing it's it, it, it can be a difficult topic because you know like you said if it's an ineffective dose it's not going to work if it's too extreme of a dose you know you're going to get too many side effects and things that come along with that 
And I think, like you said, the cool thing now is the safe PED model, right? But people in this world are salesmen, just like anyone else. And one of the things they teach you about marketing is be polarizing, stand out, be different, right? So what they try to do is they try to find an extreme example of being safe to the point where I've seen IFBB pros put out educational content saying to do certain things that they know damn well is not effective. It's not even how they turn pro, you know, but now they're telling you to do it. You know, it was kind of uh, akin to like when Jay Cutler used to, at the end of his career, he was always, you know, preaching time under tension, high volume. You don't have to lift super heavy, this and that. So I had the opportunity to pose the question to him in muscular development, but could you have gotten that big without going really hard and getting strong? And he admitted, no, I could not. This is what I do now to refine. But if I had trained like this from the beginning, I would not have been this big, you know? So people, there's a lot that gets lost in translation and things like that. And I try to be as honest as possible. Sometimes people don't like it. I made a post last year, um, basically describing the fact that if you want to be a like top Olympian competitor, now I wouldn't say this for bikini and maybe not wellness because you go a little lighter on the PEDs, but as far as like figure and women's physique and men's bodybuilding, men's classic and men's physique, the truth is you're not getting to the Olympia stage on low doses. You're not. And to tell people that, that that's that you can is complete bullshit because they're either going to waste time or not even try because they're scared or they won't do it. You know, so I feel it's important to say the real, and I said this, you know, on a, on a post last year and a legendary Olympian replied to my post and said, I totally disagree with this. And first of all, I know you're lying because I know a lot of people that know what you did back in the day, you know, and there, you know, there's even stories of rec drugs and other things, you know, so like you didn't exactly practice what you're preaching right now and saying, mm -hmm. but the second part is it's kind of scummy because you know, it's true. You know it's true. Nobody is getting to the top level of the Olympia with low doses. Oh, but they work hard and they have great genetics. Yeah, everybody has great genetics at that one. They all work hard. You know, I've, I've, I've said a million times, how many, like in bodybuilding, how many next Mr. Olympias have been labeled through the last 20 years? More than I can count. Where are all of them? It's because they had the shape, they had the genetics, they didn't have the work ethic. You know, they didn't have the ability to suffer. Anybody can get to like a four to six weeks out look inside that to get to a stage look is, is, you know, my, my wrestling coach actually explained getting better to me like this. And this applies to getting into contest shape. He would say for, he said from, from bad to okay is like this from okay to good is like this from good to great is like this. So it's not that hard to get a six weeks outlook, but it's going to get 10 times harder to get to a stage look. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and it's, it's not going to be easy. And, you know, that's why a lot of people don't get peeled. People go to shows all the time. Like, Oh, why wasn't this person peeled? Why wasn't this person in shape? Why isn't there more people in great shape? You know, all of these things, you know, I even had to explain to my apprentices the other day, I have two apprentice coaches who are very good. Um, and I had to explain to them. I said, listen, if you think you're going to nail 100% of peaks or preps, I was like, you're sorely mistaken because most people don't have the, the grit and the toughness to get through that last part. So you're going to get a lot of people almost ready and you've got to get really good at peaking 
because very few people that you get, they all think they can until they get to that point. And then they really realize like these cravings are killing me. They start mind fucking themselves. So, you know what? I'm, I'm flat. I could use the carbs right now. No, 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 you, you couldn't You need to get in shape. You still got body fat. So it's, it's, it's crazy how I guess mixed all the information gets in this industry. And that's, that's one of my goals. You know, Jeffrey knows that. Um, that was actually why Jeffrey was helping me. He actually helped me design my class. I, I wrote it up. I sent him like 70 pages of like typed information. He's just like, holy shit. But I, I shit you not 36 hours later, that PowerPoint, he did that PowerPoint. He, he outlined the whole thing, went through it. Like, I was like, did you not sleep? Like, how did you do this? You know, but we know Jeffrey's hard freaking worker. But one of the reasons why he was helping me build is because he wants me to get a bigger voice and get my message out there more because there's nowhere to police bad information and misinformation. But if we raise the bar and make certain things standardized and commonly known, then people know to look out for it. You know, how many women ran a hundred mics of T3 in prep for 16 weeks, but some coach's advice only to find out she destroyed her metabolism. And, and now she's eating 1500 calories and can't lose weight, you know, mm-hmm. off season. And she blew up and, and he, and he pretty much screwed her, but you know what? She didn't know any better. And, and I don't think that I don't like the argument of, uh, oh, the, the, the client should know better. It's still your choice. No, you hire somebody because you don't know better. You know, I don't go to the doctor and he writes me a prescription and I go, hey, doc, are you sure? Let's WebMD this. Let's see if you're right. Who does that? You're not hiring a coach because you know you're hiring a coach because you don't know. And you've got to put your trust and faith in them. And the problem is a lot of people are able to, su- to succeed in business and get lots of clients and exposure because they're good at marketing. They're good at selling. Mm-hmm. And it, they, but they deliver a very bad service. You know, and I find that a lot of the people who have the best service don't have very good marketing at all. Like um, one of my uh, I I had two apprentices in the past that are both now Olympia level coaches. Um, One of them, Nelson Jones. Uh, See, Kyle Wilkes is the other. He's good at marketing himself, though. People have seen him training, you know, Chris Bumstead and Nick Walker and all these pros and things like that, like in the gym, helping them with training. But Nelson is very quiet. He doesn't do any marketing. He's got a, a gigantic waiting list simply because he's just one of the best, or in my opinion, probably the best female coach on earth as far as competition. Nelson just doesn't lose. He walks into shows with a handful of girls and they just sweep the show. You know, he's had girls that were second in their pro debut a week after turning pro. Like he's just really, really, really good at it, but doesn't market himself at all. Not a lot of people know about him because he just doesn't talk. He doesn't market. He doesn't do any of that stuff, you know? So unless you're really in the know, you wouldn't know about him and, and you would, you know, miss an opportunity to work with somebody who's amazing. Another one is, you know, my old partner, Johnny Casalina, who uh, was Shanique Great's coach for her whole career, turned her pro completely natural worked her up to Miss Olympia and she dominated the stage, but he doesn't market. He doesn't promote. He's always got a full roster because of word of mouth, but he's not online making videos and posts and marketing. You're lucky if he posts once a week, you know? So a lot of the best gems in our industry are very little known, you know, like look at, uh, look at Jeffrey and look at uh, Jason Theobald. They don't market really. You know, they don't 
put their services out there like like crazy. They do well because they're just so good at their jobs that you're gonna get referrals. You know, people have people like you have people looking at you like, how the heck did you look like that? Oh well, Jeffrey's my coach. Oh, here's his number. You know, things like that. You know, so a lot of times the best coaches in our industry are not the most famous and popular ones. And I've said this consistently and people don't like when I say this sometimes, but the people that are considered the best coaches in the industry, most of them would not be the best coaches in the industry if there was a level playing field. If all the coaches got similar genetics with effort and the ability to finance it and people all had the same ability, you wouldn't be seeing the same top names at the top. You'd be seeing a lot of different people, you know, but Unfortunately, that's how it is. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Oh, like, you know, rambling, but... No, you're good. Like, I was actually just going to guide us kind of back to our, our original topic. But yeah, I mean, it goes to show like that, you know, the last example that you said of like, if everyone had the same genetics, same starting point, you had all of these different coaches, you know, and I think that's where it kind of comes into play where some of this abuse happens with like these PEDs and stuff because they're, they're, the quality of the coach isn't there. So it's like, hey, let's add this, let's add this, let's add this until we get to there. So, you know, which then potentially comes to, you know, unsafe and, and a lot of, you know, health complications. But so for you personally, like what dosage are, are considered to be like moderate, you know, to advance or like verse advance, like where would the difference lie um, as far as that goes? Well, it's, it's going to vary based on division because um, we have to be honest. Mm-hmm. Open bodybuilders have to go the hardest on PEs. And we know that there's, there's, there's no arguing that. 212 would also be in that category. Um, And then we kind of have a mix between men's classic physique and women's physique. I think that relatively based on what women do for women and what men do for men, they're going to run the same types of doses because let's be honest, you're, you're not winning the classic Olympia and you're not winning the women's physique Olympia on low doses. (laughs) Granted, you don't need crazy things. One of the things that I teach in my class one of the things I've been very adamant about is that no woman ever needs trend. No woman will ever need trend. No woman will ever need a halo. And I give a good example. Like I just brought up, you know, my, my old partner, Johnny Casalino, who had Shanique Grant win multiple Olympias. He didn't give her trend. She didn't take trend. So if, if she doesn't need it, why am I seeing bikini girls taking trend now? Like it's, it's crazy. I'm sure yeah. you guys have seen it. You know, it's like, wait a minute, is this a type of, like, you took, tra- like, who told you to do this? <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable what, what some coaches will do to try to win and further themselves at the cost of other people. I think trend should never be taken by a female, you know, like I, I always say like Masteron is kind of like women's trend. You know, it's still very, very potent. It's very strong. It has a very distinct effect. And that's another thing as far as PEDs, women versus men. I always say that women, honestly, can go a little lighter on PEDs. And, uh, you know, before I go further in this, I just want to throw this out there. I know I know that I don't personally coach women, but it's because I'm abrasive and I'm very, like, their husband will want to shoot me at some point, you know? Yo, I'm that's the type of person you, where you t- <laughs> I'm the type of person where, listen, you tell me you cheated on your diet, I'm going to tell you stop being a pussy. You know, I'm not going to say, okay, honey, it's all right. Let's not do that next time. Nope. That ain't going to be me because if you don't hold a position of authority, they're not going to listen to you. So I would have somebody's husband or boyfriend showing up with a gun at my door. So that's why I don't do that. But I do know how to coach women. I've 
won overalls with women before. And like I said, one of my apprentices is, is probably now the, one of the best female coaches on planet earth. So getting that out of the way, um, women typically don't have to take as high a doses as men. Now, I don't just mean, I don't just mean uh, milligram per milligram, because we know that like a male will take 50 milligrams of anabar to bulk, whereas a woman might only need 10 milligrams. I've seen five milligrams work, you know, but what we have to understand is we have to kind of understand the structure, right? So women have smaller joints, smaller bones. And we all know that the smaller the joints, the smaller the bones, the more the muscle jumps off the bone. So a man who's 220 who adds five pounds of muscle, you're going to kind of see it. You give me a woman that's 140 who puts on five pounds of muscle, it's going to look like she just gained 20. So they don't need to make those type of muscular gains to improve like a man does, mm-hmm. you know? So there's no need to really go that hard on the PEDs, you know? Um, Ashley, you look like really petite. You could probably put a quarter inch on your arm and all of a sudden it's going to look like, what the hell did you do? You know, because you're, you look like you have a very small, small bone structure. And, and that's what really makes people good is those small joints the muscle actually looks bigger than it actually is. Everything's an illusion. So with women, I like to suggest people go lighter. And there's, there's other things that I stipulate with, with women that are, that are different from men. For example, with women, I don't like to use longer act, acting esters, you know, like a, like a, uh, like a prima, like a prima, uh, primo inante, you know, versus acetate, something like that. And that one's generally pretty safe as long as you know it's real, but Cremo is 90% of the time fake. It's usually EQ or even sometimes Masteron because they know you can't tell the difference by feeling and, you know, visually. Um, and it's not so easy to test. But, you know, listen, if, you're, if, you're, if your source is selling bottles for 60 bucks and the Primo is also $60, probably fake. You know, because it costs double what all the other things cost and they're not doing it just to be nice to you, you know? So again, I equate that to like saying like, Oh, if you offered me a $500 Rolex, come on. I know that shit's fake, Mm -hmm. you know? So you get what you pay for. But when you get into other compounds, you know, like a Masteron enanthate versus a Masteron propionate, what happens with long acting esters is they compound and compounding just basically means that the dose builds and builds and builds and builds and builds on top of itself in your bloodstream until you reach a certain point. Now, if you start to have any type of viralization, any type of side effects, anything that's going wrong, now you've got weeks before it's out of your system instead of days. So if you've run a decent dose of Masteron and Anthony, and all of a sudden you're, you're, you know, you're, you're growing facial hair and your voice is getting deeper, well, you're still screwed for another two, three, four weeks. You know, whereas with the propionate, we could pull it out and pretty much be okay within three, four, five days. You know, and and that's another thing you've got to be careful with. I think a lot of coaches are not transparent with women as far as what the risks are here. You know, I mean, what they're dealing with. I know so many female competitors that were never told their voice was going to get deeper. You know, and then it creeps on you, and all of a sudden, how the hell did this happen? And you can't reverse it. You know, and and nobody ever told them or warned them. You know, a lot of times people coaches will say, oh, they'll say, oh, Anavar can't deepen your voice. Yes, it can. In a high enough dose, yes, it can. You know, you typically don't see it because women run it for short periods of time in low doses, five milligrams. You give a girl 20 milligrams a day for a couple months, she's going to get a deeper voice, I promise you. So 
I think that avoiding side effects for women is very, very important because remember they have lives after bodybuilding. They still want to be feminine. They still want to be pretty. They don't want to have a jawline like I have, you know, they don't want to, you know, have masculine features and, and this can really, really give you masculine features. Granted, some women are okay with the trade-off at the highest level, but you know what? That's life. And, and, Men don't realize, like they think that, oh, that that's a bad choice. And we do it too. You know, I've walked around over 220 pounds for 20 years. You got to be crazy to think I didn't take some years off my life by doing that. You know, you put a hundred pounds of cinder blocks in your car and you go drive it around. That shit's going to break down sooner. Mm-hmm. So men, we make that choice too. All you bodybuilders listening right now, by bodybuilding, you are make you are accepting that you are going to lose some years on the back end of your life, and that's just a fact. Now, some of the things we do are anti aging, like taking GH and you know keeping our hormone level optimal and keeping our bone density high by lifting and you know being stronger and things like that. So we preserve our youthful years long, but we're still losing something on the back end because of all the damage that we've done. Even if you run low doses, just being that heavy does it. How many offensive linemen from the NFL do you know that are 90 years old? I bet you I bet you probably can't even name one that's 80, maybe not even 70. Why? Because they all walk around over 300 pounds. Every bodybuilder that's ever reached 400 pounds in our industry is dead. And most of them that have been 350, probably going to be dead soon. And it sucks to say. It's the truth, though. So... You know, men, we do it too. We have to accept that we, there's a price to pay. And with women, sometimes, listen, if you want to win the woman's physique Olympia, or sometimes maybe even the figure, because, you know, they're getting pretty muscular and really dry and hard showing up. And they're getting so good that the rest of the girls in the field have to step it up to try to compete, you know, and, and it's tough. So, you're just not going to run low doses and win those shows, you know? So you've got to kind of accept it. This is what I want. This is what I've got to give. But I think you should at least be made aware of it beforehand, you know, and not surprised and put into a situation that's irreversible and, oh, you're screwed. You know, like talked about the T3 thing. You run a girl on hundred mics of T3 for 16 weeks. Guess what? There's some metabolic damage. It's done post-show. She's going to rebound, bloat up, feel like crap. Um, and, and be affected mentally as well. And, and I talk about this a lot in my class and people don't consider this as far as the psychological effects of what we do, but also the drugs, you know, uh, people like guys in our industry, they like to justify what we do. Oh, there's no such thing as roid rage. You know, you've never taken Halo. There is absolutely such thing as roid rage without mm-hmm. a doubt. Maybe you are a calmer, nicer person. You can control yourself. But if you get mad, there's absolutely roid rage. So I, I teach in my class, like I, I play mind games sometimes in prep with my men. And I tell them, I specifically state, you do this to a woman, you're going to do nothing but stress her out. And the difference between a man and a female in prep, if you stress a man out, you can usually push through and still do pretty good. You stress a female out, her body stops. It's not moving. It's going to get softer. It's not going to get better. So it's very, very, very important because we know physiologically women are more emotional, which is why they're better equipped to handle situations like teaching and empathy and nursing, things where you have to consider how people feel and and relate to how people feel. And men are just technical robots. Oh, this this is right. This is wrong. Whatever. You know, 
So women's emotions affect them more. And if you stress a female out, she's not going to make any progress. It's just going to stop. So it's not a very good idea to do that. And you've got to keep that in mind with the PEDs that you put them on. You, you know, you put them on PEDs, for example, like, um, like an equipoise, for example, or, you know, there's a lot of them actually that deplete GABA in the brain, which is our common neurotransmitters, which keeps us calm. So you, you take a Xanax to get calm, boost GABA. So, you know, when, 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 when you start to use some of the more aggressive things that gets depleted, and then you're in a constant perpetual state of fight or flight and anxiety. And that's when you see the body start to fight itself. So I teach in my class to keep our women a couple weeks ahead further than we would keep our men. And the reason is because honestly, sometimes I might have to just give her a cheeseburger, you know, <laughs> might need to give her a burger and fries and she'll feel better and she'll feel happy and she won't feel trapped. And then boom, like clockwork starts improving right away again, you know? So things like that are necessary. I think the coaches don't take the psychological side uh, into consideration a lot when they're, when they're working with people. Sorry, I'm going off on tangents, but like, I, I'm, I'm a very redundant and thorough person. No, all so good. if you ever want to stop me and just ask a specific question, feel free because I just won't stop talking. No, I actually do have a question. You kind of already touched on it, but in your opinion, are there drugs that, you know, are division specific or gender specific or, and are there drugs that people shouldn't touch at all? Like, for example, the first drug that comes to mind that I think is very controversial is something like DMP. Here's the thing. DNP, I think, gets a bad rap because of misuse and abuse. Um, I think there are proper ways to use it. Um, but what we again, we have to accept that there's going to be some side effect. It, you know, DNP is known to really elevate free radicals, which wreak havoc throughout the body, which is why we're told to take more antioxidants. And when people talk about things like DNP, for example, they take everything to the extreme, right? They, oh, they, like they, 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 people run 500 milligrams, you know, there's a, an old, actually retired now, well-known coach who took a thousand to turn pro. Like I couldn't even imagine what that guy was feeling like, you know, because I've tried it before and it does not feel good at all. Jeez. So I don't even know how he's, he's tougher man than I am because I would not be able to have done that. But, you know, um, when you're talking about things like DNP, why do you have to take a standardized dose. Why can't you just take like an, an underlying dose? Like I've had to use it three separate occasions with people that I've coached over the last 10, 15 years. And on all three occasions, my dosing was either 200, 250 a day or 200, 250 every other day. Because another big problem in this industry is we all are taught that we think for some reason that these drugs were invented for us so we can compete in, in physique sports. I'm sorry, insulin was not invented so you can get big. <laughs> T3 was not invented so you can get shredded on stage. And the problem is they don't learn the medical applications of it. They don't know anything about the medical literature whatsoever or how it affects things in the body, what it interacts with, what the side effects are, the mechanisms of action, because sometimes you're amplifying mechanisms of action and you don't even know it. You know, that would be like, like taking ephedrine and clenbuterol, you know, both strong beta two agonists, you know, so people don't take these things into consideration and they end up running into problems. But like DNP, for example, if you ran one cat, first of all, it's, it's half-life is very long. I think it's 36 hours. People don't realize that. So what happens when you're taking it every day? That blood levels are compounding. Every day they're climbing. 
So by the third and fourth day, you're really feeling it. First day, you're like, oh, this is not so bad. Second day, you're like, eh, not so bad. But third day, you're like, oh, I'm getting hot. Fourth day, you're like, holy shit. You know, so why couldn't you just take it every other day and just have it as a mild baseline and use it like that? You know, and like people think that, oh, it's a metabolic uncoupler, right? So it uncouples ATP down into ADP, um, which is what we use for muscular energy. But it doesn't make it zero. That's what people think. Oh, you're I'm I'm I'm, I'm I hear it all the time because I, I know a lot of pros, a lot of pros use DNP. So and because of you know my reputation, how long I've been in this, they talk to me, they tell me things, they like to check up on what their coach has them doing. You know, if we're friends, yeah, I'll look at it, you know. But like they all oh, I'm on DNP, I'm flat. It, it doesn't mean you can't load glycogen. It's just uncoupling it. It's like a, a hole in your gas tank. It doesn't mean you can't fill the gas tank up. It just means it's leaking, you know? So, oh, I'm flat. I can't get pumps. That's complete bullshit. You know, like you have that in your head, that preconceived notion. And again, it's from lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, lack of explanation from your coach. A lot of the co their coaches are telling them this. Oh, you're going to be flat. On 250 milligrams every day of DNP, but you're on four or 500 grams of carbs a day, you're not going to be flat. <laughs> You know, so they, they just they don't understand. But DNP is harsh. And again, like I said, women are they tend to be more sensitive to side effects than men. So I would be much more cautious using DNP with a female than I would with a male. Um, I'm probably be more likely to use DNP with a female if I was in a situation where her health was in trouble because of her body fat. If she was obese or morbidly obese and I felt like if we don't get. 50 to hundred pounds off you soon, you're going to be dead. You know, in that situation. Yeah. I'd consider, I would consider that way before I would consider it for a show because yeah. at that point, what's the, what's the cost versus reward? Well, you know, you're, you're going to give a little bit, but you're, you're not going to die, you know? So in a situation like that, you know, that's typically what I would, I would lean towards. Whereas for men, they tend to be more resilient. You know, their organs, their, their responses, their bodies tend to be more resilient, which is why we don't see a lot of metabolic damage from T3 abuse. Because men, men abuse T3 just as much as women, if not more. But their, their thyroids aren't as susceptible to shutdown, you know? So they can get away with a little more. But it still all goes back to making sure that you understand what it is that you're dealing with, how it works, the ramifications, uh, and conveying that to the client and making sure the clients understand that. You know, I feel like a lot of coaches don't do that. Absolutely. So kind of going back to, you know, maybe compound selection when it comes to division, do you believe that there are certain compounds that should be utilized for different divisions? Or are you of the sound mind where there's multiple ways to skin a cat? I, I, I do think that there's certain compounds, well, I'm going to say certain compounds, I'm going to say certain combinations of certain drugs that I will mm -hmm. and will not use with different divisions. But I think there's also, you know, certain doses and combinations and, and methods of use that are going to vary. Like um, I would probably never put uh, a female on Anadrol unless she was women's physique, you know, mm -hmm. I, I just, I just, I just see that as water retentive. Um, very strong, very liver toxic. It's just not necessary. And Anadrol only comes in 50 milligrams. So what are you going to do? Break it into eighths for her? You know, <laughs> it's not really, you know, one I would go with. Uh, D-ball is a very, I, I think I feel like it's a dirty oral. You know, it, it tends to break you out, cause blood pressure, blood, uh, um, uh, blood pressure fluctuations, 
Um, it's liver toxic. It, it, it gives you mood swings, got a very short half-life, you know, so I, I really don't see that as a beneficial drug. I don't get, I don't use it with my men. So I definitely wouldn't use it with women, you know, whereas like an anivar, I use, I would use much more frequently with women than I would with men. Now, keep in mind, people who don't understand drugs, 50 milligrams of anivar is just as strong as 50 milligrams of anadrol. They just do different things and have different effects slightly. So, you know, if you're taking a woman taking five, 10 milligrams of anivar, it's still pretty strong. You know, you're going to get strong. You're going to get results out of it. Whereas a male is really not. So I'll use anivar with men in situations where like maybe they got injured and I need to uh, upregulate collagen synthesis to heal the injury faster. So I like to always have that on hand in prep just in case an injury or strain happens and we can run it for five, six, seven days and really help with that. You know, just like they use in the hospital for, for burn victims and injuries and things like that. It speeds up the recovery. Whereas women, Anivar is more of a primary compound. You know, it's it's one of the main things that they're going to end up taking. But again, you've got to make sure that it's not fake because a lot of times people will fake Anivar because it's more expensive. So what's like Anivar kind of, but a hell of a lot cheaper. Well, winning, Winstrol. The problem is Winstrol is going to cause viralization real fast in a, women, in a woman, especially if you use a higher dose. So if you start swapping out Anivar for Winstrol, she's going to start getting deep voice and hair growth and not realize why, thinking that she's not doing anything wrong. And it's probably not the coach's fault. It's the source's fault for giving you garbage. And a lot of sources do this stuff. So you've got to be very, very careful with where you're getting things and People, people always say like, oh, I, I take this lab. There's a thousand labs. I don't care about the lab. You need to know who's making it and whether or not that person has integrity. You know, mm -hmm. that's what's important. I don't, I don't give a shit about what lab and name and this and that and what pro takes this and that because, yeah, pros get fake shit too. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's, it's not just something that happens to normal people. So you've got to trust the person that you're getting it from. You know, if I don't know who's making it, like, Oh, I get it from this guy. I, I want to know who's making it or I'm not touching it, you know, because I've lost many shows because of crap gear. Uh, I made a post last year. One of my clients, we caught fake trend mid prep. I, I was like, this doesn't seem right. Like this is not right. So we switched brands and all of a sudden everything is great again. You know, so I caught that mid prep, thankfully, you know, but I've mm -hmm. lost plenty of shows because of bad gear from sources but an, another again back to your question another one that i'm heavier with with women and lighter with men is primo simply because like i said you don't need as much of a punch for women right you're going to get better results you know with less whereas men you're going to need more and some people have even speculated they've said that you know if a man's not going to take 700 milligrams of, of primo then don't even bother because it's not going to be very effective and i Within reason, I, I, I agree with that. I think I don't think 400 milligrams of Primo is going to do very much for a male, you know, unless he's like a very small male, like maybe men's physique, something like that. But I don't think it's going to do very much, whereas it's going to do a lot for a female, but it's also a cleaner compound. She's not going to have breakouts, upregulates collagen senses. Her skin's going to look better. You know, she's going to have more stable mood. She's going to feel better. It's got AI properties that help with hormone balance, you know? So it's, it's a much better choice for women. So like the base that I always start women with is Primo. I will always have a base of Primo pending. We've got to make sure it's real. You know, with men, I completely pull Primo out. 
at the end of prep because I just don't trust that it might be fake and I, I won't risk it. If I can eliminate a risk, I will. Whereas women, sometimes you're going to need that. So you're going to have to go out of your way, maybe send it out for testing and, and really make sure it is what it is, you know? And in that instance, Primo is typically the base I suggest for women. Whereas with men, I, I lean more towards androgens. I like trend. I like test. I like things like that. Um, I run an anabolic like Deco or EQ with it simply for collagen synthesis purposes, because testosterone can actually downregulate collagen synthesis, which is our skin and our connective tissue. So it can really age your face. It can cause your tendons, ligaments to be weaker and more susceptible to injury. And what do men do to get big? They lift very heavy. So you're literally asking for it. If you're not running something that upregulates collagen synthesis for men, you know, we got to understand we're still human beings. We're still, I have the same cells that you have, that you have, I have the same type of connective. I just, I just have, might have a different integrity, different structure to it. We're still all human beings, right? So when a woman lifts heavy, she's not repping 300 pounds, you know, on a squat and bench. She doesn't have to, to grow, whereas some men do. You know, so there's less wear and tear because they're still made up of human body. But this is why you don't hear women getting bicep tears and all these injuries like men, because they just don't have to lift as heavy relatively to get big, you know? So with men, it's very important to support your collagen synthesis. GH is really, really uh, good for collagen synthesis. So that is, is, is a very supportive compound for a lot of men. Whereas I feel like a lot of women can get away without the GH. You know, because yeah. again, we have other things. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I, I think that's really, really insightful um, when it comes to, you know, compound selection, especially among the genders. But for someone that was, you know, maybe, you know, questioning their coach, because as of right now, a lot of people are going to question their coach when it comes to um, these national level shows. Like, I'm in Charleston right now, GR USA's is literally this weekend. There's going to be a lot of people bashing their coaches i they fucked up my peak wah, wah, wah. so what what piece of advice could you maybe give to a competitor whether it is a first time stepping on a national stage or maybe they're balls deep in their off season hi hello how are you um and maybe they're just questioning their coach if they're doing things the right way could you maybe give a piece of advice or words of wisdom for those that are thinking about jumping ship or what questions maybe should they consider when it comes to PED usage about whether or not this is like ethical or are they going to get fucked over, you know, when it comes to, you know, ethics and especially with females when it comes to virilization. Well, that, that's, that's a great question, Ben. I just want to say before that you know, you're at junior USA. Um, I'm actually good friends with Trey Bennett, the promoter. And he runs one of the best national shows that we have all year long. So for a first timer, like you said, people that it's the first time in a national show, they're nervous. It helps when you do a show that's really well run and really comfortable because you don't want to end up in one of those circumstances where you thought you were getting on at 11 a.m. and now it's 2 p.m. And you're like, shit, I didn't bring enough food. What do I eat? What do I do? You know, I can't find lighting to send my coach pictures. You know, you end up in, in very difficult situations. So the better, the shows that are typically known to be better run historically are probably your better options to start with. Junior USA is a great option to start with. North Americans is typically a great show to start with because those shows are, uh, are run very well. North American, I believe, is Gary Uta, who's been in this mm -hmm. forever and is a top level, highest level judge. 
and, and really knows his stuff, really loves it, cares about his competitors, you'll see. I've seen normal people, regular people, not even that good of a competitor, say something to him and he would show genuine concern and, and he would look into it. Like no matter who you are, like you didn't have to be important for, for him to do that. You know, so that things like that really make a difference when you're choosing, you know, which national shows to do. I mean, it's hard enough to do your first local show. You know, it's tough. Your friends and families are going, your friend and family are going. You don't want to embarrass yourself. You don't want to lose. You're worried about what people think. You, you kind of forget that they don't care whether you win or lose. Like to them, yeah. even the worst person in the show is miles beyond anything they've seen at the beach or like they've never seen it before. Even the worst person to them is amazing. You know, kind of like, you know, we could walk around, I, I don't know, like a, a magic show or a convention and someone's doing stupid beginner card tricks. To us, we're like, holy shit, like that, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. Whereas like the major magicians are like, what, what are you even doing? You know, so we've got to kind of keep things into perspective and, and, and remember that our friends and family is there to be supportive. They're not there to judge us. They're not going to criticize us if we lose. They're not going to think bad of us. They respect us enough for just having the guts to get up there and, and working hard enough to get in that type of shape and be that dedicated. They usually, they, they, they can't believe it. You know, I, mm-hmm. and I was growing up, I was always told that, the, the public's not going to understand. Your family's not going to understand this. I've never experienced that. I've only experienced people that do understand and are supportive. I'm Italian. I've sat at dinner eating my regular food. And everybody understood and respected it. You know, nobody, there was not one person that said, hey, have a meatball. You know, like none. I So I've never really seen that. I, from my experience, people are generally very impressed with the dedication to do what we do and and they respect it so the pre- there shouldn't be a lot of pressure in your first show it's all support it should be all positive and and you got to remember that one day you're not gonna be able to do this anymore and i made this mistake in my career being too hard on myself and not living in the moment and enjoying it and like being proud of myself you know i was never proud of myself never you know i i i remember crushing a, a national uh, qualifier. Um, actually, three people that were in that show are now pro. And there was a, another handful of national competitors, you know, and I completely stomped the show. And everybody's congratulating me. And like, it, it was a packed arena. People were standing along the walls. There was nowhere to stand. There was tons of pros. And people are congratulating me left and right. And I just remember thinking, like, this doesn't feel special it doesn't really feel like anything you know mm-hmm. so it's it, because it's strangers you know it's the people that you know listen their opinion it's great to have support and opinions but the ones that matter are the people that matter to you you know mm-hmm. and that's what we we kind of lose and have to realize you know it's like because of the level of coach i am a lot of my guys will come to me and they'll say like i don't want to let you down i don't want to disappoint you i don't want to embarrass you and i'm like that's 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 not a consideration as long as you do what you need to do and listen and, and, and execute. I'm proud of you. You know, yeah. not everybody has the genetics to, to, you know, to, to be Mr. or Miss Olympia, you know, it happens. So it's important to just keep those things into perspective, you know, especially first shows and then first national shows, but national shows, typically you have to travel to. So mm-hmm. it's good to have at least one person with you that can kind of take the responsibility of maybe cooking or getting a meal ready or, Something, anything that helps so that you're not doing it by yourself. Somebody that keeps you calm, 
And, uh, you know, it's actually funny. I, I, I joke around about this, but it, I'm actually pretty serious about it. Um, when I have a client who's like girlfriend is there or wife is there, you know, because I coach men and I'll say, listen, you're on um, head rub duty. Like your job is just keep him calm. <laughs> keep him off his phone. Don't let him think about anything. Don't let him stress about anything. You know, like like rubbing somebody's head or like a little light massage, that'll increase endorphins. It'll make you feel better. It'll calm you down. It literally will physiologically have a chemical effect that calms you down. So mm-hmm. like I was I, like, like uh, Antoine Valance's fiance, we were at Chicago last year when I peaked in for Chicago because his coach couldn't make it. Uh, I told her, I was like, you're on head rubs duty. And she was like, I got it. And she was so awesome. And she was a major part of his success because she does a lot of the things that make it a lot easier on somebody who is an Olympian level bodybuilder, who's got all this pressure on them and all this difficulty. And she's just always smiling, always nice attitude, always happy, always positive, And always like, what do you need? You know? Mm-hmm. So like in situations like that, you can't even understand how much, having a supportive partner like that can make this process better. It really is important. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that. No, I agree. Like my favorite. (laughs) I was just going to say like my first season did not have a supportive partner whatsoever. Felt horrible at my shows, like was all on my own kind of thing. And then my last season, I actually ended up doing like my first national show. I did North Americans and my current partner right now, so supportive, like, literally would weigh my food out. I trusted him to do that. Like everything ran so smooth. I've never had more fun in a prep than I did last time. And it was like, because of him, because of my mom, because of the people that I was surrounded with. And and I did fairly well, um, you know, for all of my shows that I did my last season. And it was, I guarantee you it was because of that. My stress, extremely low support was there. And and that's all that mattered for me. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. My husband's my train. Yeah. My, my husband, um, I've known my husband for damn near a decade. We've been married six years. I have a three bedroom house. And in one of those bedroom is a posing room just for me. We have mirrors, we have tape on the floor. He's my training partner. You know, he helps me with injections with my Mediform. Like this man is like, I mean, he opens fucking car doors for me. Like he is a true man's man. And I'm very, very lucky to have him and his support. And obviously I give it back and return it because that is what, you know, relationships are and marriages are. It is, it's not give and take, it is give and receive. So he gives to me, I receive his love. I give to him, he receives my love. And, and how much of a difference does that make for me? It makes an enormous difference, doesn't it? Imagine not having that or, um, you know, spilt in your situation, you saw the contrast. You yeah. were in the bad situation and the good one. And you're like, these are night and day. This can literally make or break you. And my physique was completely different. Granted, I had like a year or two off season in between then, but like just, and my prep was so smooth. I never hit a roadblock. Like that first time it was always like, oh fuck. Like, you know, we're stalling, we're stalling, we're stalling. Second one, never smooth. And it, I, like I said, like it just, it does make the world of a difference when you have that, that support. It really does, you know, and people don't realize like this matters all the way to the top, to the highest level. This matters. I could argue it matters more at the highest level. You know, like uh, I'm, uh, I I bring up like Nick Walker a lot on podcasts because he's a good friend of mine. I really respect him. We, we have a lot of dialogue, so I have a lot to talk about regarding him. But one of the things that he said to me is like now his wife, Maria, is so supportive and helpful. He's like, I don't make any decision without her. 
He's like, mm-hmm. none. He's like, I don't make a single decision without her. He's like, and it's just made things so much better. It's made me more powerful, more able to do what I need to do, you know? So even at the, and he's what, third and third in the world. So at the, at the highest level, like, it really, really matters. You will very rarely see a top Olympian that doesn't have a supportive partner, you know? Agreed, agreed. Phil, thank you just so very much for your time. Like, this was a long time coming. I was asking Ash about the people that she wanted to have on the pod, and, like, obviously your name popped up, and we really just appreciate you taking time to just hop on a lesser-known podcast and not only shoot the shit with us, but just provide your time, your insight, and then also share with us your passion because we don't do any of this for shits and giggles like this isn't just a job for us it's just it's a way of life and it's a way that we want to help the community get better and just just out of sheer love and passion and that just radiates off of you and that's that's something you can't bullshit well i, I you know I'm, I'm happy to do it um i i don't know about the term lesser known podcast because every podcast started lesser known joe rogan started lesser known so you know everybody starts lesser known you know, so that doesn't, that, that doesn't, you know, you, it, who knows, listen, you might become, you know, the next Joe Rogan and people are going to scroll back years and watch this podcast and be like, <laughs> she said, less or no, you know, so you never know, but the passion and, and, and caring and loving this, I think is very important coming from a coach and an educator because we have seen what this sport has given us and what it's done for us and how it's made us feel. And, and we, we want to give that, we want to see other people feel that way. We want to see other people get what we got out of this sport. Let's, 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 let's be honest. When you're in really good shape and you go out, you go to the beach, you go somewhere, people treat you different. Just like people who have money. If you pull up in an, in an expensive car, you pull up in a Ferrari, everybody's going to treat you a lot different. So when we show up to just normal places, you know, might be, you might have a skirt on, they could see your legs and like, oh my God, like how are your legs so defined? You know, people see this, they respect it, and we're received differently. We are, we're almost treated better in public with more respect because of, you know, what we were able to do. And it's a lot of people get into this industry, many, probably most, because they don't feel good about themselves, because they're insecure. And that's another thing that irks me is a lot of these scammer coaches and cookie cutter coaches and people that are coaching that aren't really qualified to coaching. Well, you're you're taking away from somebody that's just trying to be happy, just trying to feel good about themselves, you know, that just wants to, you know, just wants to enjoy their life and feel proud of themselves. And, and, and because you want money, you're going to sit there and, and guess and experiment on a person when you're not sure. And they're going to end up wasting their time and wasting their money and feeling like they failed and couldn't do it. And it wasn't because they failed or couldn't do it. It's because your programming sucked, you know? And now they think even worse of themselves. So I think that's wrong. So I think that having passion in this and really caring about people and, and, and wanting to spread good information and like, listen, doing this podcast, what is this doing? This is helping people. This is out there to help people. This is out there to educate people, right? How many times have you said, I want my listeners to hear this. I want my list. You're, you're just thinking about your listeners. You're not thinking about yourself, you know? So we, 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 we do what we do because we want to help people, you know, and it makes it, I think that makes a big difference. And when people are searching for a coach, one of the most important things is, does this coach care? And they shouldn't be hesitant to reach out to past clients or like, listen, scroll down their page. If you see somebody who was posted maybe a year ago, you know, 
shoot that person a DM. Are you still with this coach? Why or why not? How did things go? How did you like it? You know, you, there's, there's, there should be no problem whatsoever with contacting any coach's previous clients that you've seen on their page and asking for feedback. And you should, you know, and that's going to, you know, really, really help you make the right decisions. I agree. I agree. But guys, we're going to end it there. Um, again, Phil, thank you so much. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you for coaching, for your contest prep class, anything? Well, I, I do a fair amount of podcasts, so you could always YouTube me and you probably have 15, 20 of those pop up. Um, but uh, other than that, it's just Phil at uh, on uh, Instagram. Uh, same thing on TikTok. Um, I put up educational content all the time just because I, I really like to help people. And I like to, you know, I just, I love, I'm sure you guys know how many times do you get a message that said, you know what, you really made a difference in my prep this year, or my, my competing or how I feel or what I think. And that feels good. That feels great. Helping other people really does feel good. And it's nice to know that you're appreciated that people are listening and that they're taking your advice and putting it into play and that it's working, you know? So I just, I like to share a lot of information. I like to educate. I like to help people out. It's, it's what I do. If I was rich, I would do this for free. You know, I would still be doing it. So, you know, uh, hopefully more people like that in this industry, you know, manifest. And, you know, I see a lot of people put more effort into education, you know, like Jeffrey, again, teaches a lot of good classes. He teaches a lot of classes that I think that people should take that don't because they just want to learn how to make money and, and how to coach and win shows, but it's important to learn how to run your business too and, and yep. establish your brand and things like that. And there's a lot of things that are missed. So I send, a, I send links to his classes to people all the time because you should take that. If you think that you're going to do this as a career, you know, it's, it's necessary. And there's a lot of things that you probably don't know or haven't thought about, you know, but I see a lot of people furthering their education, which is, is a great thing. It means people care and they want to be good at this. Amen. 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 Ash, you got anything? No, that's it. Thank you again so much for coming on. I think it was great. I think it's great for our listeners. I think this was, yeah, like really good educational. And I think that there's a lot of value in it. So thank you. Yeah. Again. All right, guys. Until next time. Peace. Adios.